0: Thank you. It is indeed an honor and a pleasure to be back at my second home. It's indeed I probably actually spend more time visiting all souls than I do some other churches. And that's an honor and a privilege that I do not take lightly. I'm glad, as usual, to have my better half accompany me. Uh, My wife is here in the third row. So, I thank her for her support and being here with me, because she gets to hear me all the time. So, she's, uh, she's my, my probably my hardest judge. and She thinks I'm not listening to her at times, but I may not say anything, but I'm always listening. Amen. <laughs> and of course, to Pastor, this church, Barbara, and we all need rest and and vacation and rejuvenation. And I'm glad that Barbara's getting uh, revitalized because we need it in this day and time, and it's very, very important. But you came today to hear a message, and I will not be long because this is a subject. Typically, I, I write out all my sermons and i bring my ipad and i got all my notes and things and this one's a little bit different and and you just kind of have to do what god tells you to do in the way that he tells you to do it my god that tells me he said that he will speak through me i just have to be obedient and listen so this 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 moment and 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 i scripture reading for this morning comes out of the Acts of the Apostles, uh, that ninth chapter, and I just want to read it to set a context to what we're speaking about this morning in this Damascus moment, and then I'm going to put my glasses back on because beyond Susan, I can't see anyone else, (laughs) so (laughs) I want to be able to see you as as we talk about this, this Damascus moment. The scripture says, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women he may bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, and a verse heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goals. So he trembled, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and you will be told, what you must do. So we're talking about a Damascus moment. On this road to Damascus, a change occurred. And and, and a Damascus moment for us is an important point in a person's life. It's a great change of ideology or belief or something that takes place. Now, Paul was a zealot. I mean, he was, he was the best of the best. He was the cream of the crop. He, he was one of the greatest persecutors of the Christian faith. He was an enemy of the church. But his background says that he was from Tars, an intellectual place that he studied under the great Jewish scholars He was a very learned and knowledgeable man. But for the Christians, he was one to be feared. He was one to be feared. You know, we all have some ideals and some beliefs that we've grown up with, some things that as part of our culture, a part of our history. And it's difficult for us to break with those old habits. You know, and as I look at this beautiful scenery, sometimes we get so caught up in in walking in the forest that we see the trees that we don't even see the forest. We get caught up in in just the trees and, and our fears of the things that's outside. You know, we worry about the snakes, the lizards, the frogs, the spiders. We worry about everything that we can't enjoy the beauty of the nature of what we see. And it's like that with our lives sometimes, we've grown so accustomed to certain things that we can't see the beauty of the other things that's going on around us. Paul was just focused on what he thought was wrong, that that Jesus was not the Messiah, he was not the Savior, he was not, part of the Trinity. You know, and we we, we have some traditions in, in our church, in the Baptist church, we have some traditions that we just aren't going to let go. They're just hard. If you were raised in the Baptist church, there's some things that you just grew up with that it's just hard to let those things go. But sometimes you've got to have a Damascus moment in order for the church to grow. And that's for the, us to grow as individuals. And, and for me personally, I feel like we're at that moment right now in, in this world and in this country, especially this country of ours. You know, you pick up a dollar bill that says in God we trust. You know, we recite uh, our, our national anthem, you know, we sing my country tears to you, God bless America. You know, it's all about God, but we're we're not a loving nation anymore. We're not loving people anymore. We're we're playing judge and jury and executioner. We're being like Saul. It's our way at a highway. We have no tolerance for others that are different from us. And I don't think the God that we serve is pleased with that. Because he takes those that are at the most vulnerable, those that are at the Lord's, those that other people kick aside and he turns them around and he changed them to do his will. We get locked in. And for whatever reason, Saul was locked in. You know, we're not going to talk about what He became, as as Paul, when he was transformed, when he did that 180-degree turn, but as Saul, he was locked in. He was in a cage. He was confined. And he needed to be released. And it took that Damascus moment for him to be released. You know, we were split. We've been debating the issues of monuments in our city and across this nation. You know, I, I got an opportunity, and I listened three times to that in, that impassioned plea that Mayor Landry gave in New Orleans on why he felt like the monuments in New Orleans should come down because New Orleans. It's the city of the Choctaw. It's the city of the Irish. It's the city of the Germans. It's the city of the Italians. It's the city of the Creole. It's the city of diversity that's made that city so great. And then he said that, that we don't have monuments to the slave ships or, or the news or the things that are negative on our history while we're trying to hang on to a past that divides us and separates us and not try to bring everything together. We fight those battles for whatever reason. We're just stuck. We can't get beyond some of the things that we believe are right. Whether it's affordable health care, whether it's a woman's right to choose, you know, we cannot force our judgment and our opinion on the masses. Because then we become judge, jury, and executioner. We all will be judged one day, but we don't need to play the role of judge on everybody because of the decisions that they make in their life. What we need to learn to do is to accept them for whoever, whatever, whomever they are, and love them in spite of. Because that's the message of Jesus. Jesus is saying to Saul that even though you persecute me, I love you anyway. But I need you to understand that you're not free because you're persecuting me. You're not free because you're persecuting those that believe in me. And I need you to be free. So I need you to be blinded. I need you to fast. I need you to pray, and I need you to change and realize that what you've been taught and what you believe, and you've been taught by the best, it's, it's not applicable today, it's wrong. You've got to look at it out of a different set of lenses. And we need to look at things across our city in a different set of lenses. I carry a rock with me in my car. And and, and this rock stays in my car. This rock says change. Because that's the most difficult thing for us to do, It's to change. But I carry it as a reminder every day that we've got to change. And and sometimes you've got to look at the other side of the, the issue. You've got to talk to that other person. At least understand their view and their issue. You're not always going to agree uh, with them, but you don't have to judge them. You're free to be and to worship as you please, but that don't mean because you're different from me or I disagree with you, I don't have to respect you. We need to learn to change. And this is my reminder of change. Some of you know about the book and the movie Toxic Charity and how even when we try to help people, sometimes we're hurting. them. You know, we've given so much to the people of Haiti and other countries that we've stifled their individual creativity and their individual growth. So now we're having to re-examine this whole Notion and ideal of charity and how to help individuals. What this world that we live in and the people that we serve need is not a handout, but they need a handout. They need an opportunity. I had a woman in my office this week, she's a grandmother. She did 11 years straight all of her time at the Louisiana State Penitentiary at St. Gabriel for women. When she was incarcerated, her youngest child was seven years old. When she got out in 2005, that child was 18 years old and pregnant. And she had triplets. And she named those triplets Jeremiah, Joshua, and Jacob. But this 18-year-old mother of triplets had a problem. She had an addiction to drugs, and and, and and we're talking about drugs now. We're, we're talking about the opiate epidemic. But her addiction was to the drug that's called crack cocaine. But we, we see opiates on this hand. We see crack on this hand. And we see two different drugs. And we treat them in different manners. One is an addiction. The other one is just an addict. So she's been in and out of prison. But this, this grandmother that got out of prison in, in 2005 and got her life together. And you know how she got her life together? She... Moved into their old abandoned house to see the girl. Nobody bothered her. She just squatted. The house was there. She just squatted. She didn't have any place to go when she came out of St. Gabriel. There was no housing for women. There was no place for ex-cons, for felons. So she squatted in a house. And then she found her job and began to work. And then she got the electricity on. And then she got the water on. Then she got the gas on. And she began to make repairs to a house that she didn't even own, but she needed a place to live, and she needed some independence. And so five years later, her daughter's in jail again. She's been arrested about ten times because of this addiction. She decided that she wanted to break the cycle. She said, my kids had to go to foster care when I was in prison. I don't want my grandkids raised in foster care. I can't do anything about my daughter's addiction. She's in and out of jail. Their father's in and out of jail. I don't know when she's going to be released. But I need to break that cycle. I need. Jeremiah, Joshua, and Jacob to know that they can have a life where they don't have to keep moving. They don't have to keep asking when is mama's coming home? Why does mama keep going to jail? I need to help them break that cycle. So the courts awarded her custody. A convicted felon for aggravated assault, armed robbery that did a 180 degree turn in her life, in order to get custody of her three grandchildren. And the courts awarded her custody. But she's sitting in front of me right now because they still need a home. They're still ready. They're still living in a place that the landlord won't fix anything. The toilet flushes when it gets ready. Sometimes it bags up in the floor, and these three boys are having to live in that condition. So we're going to build our house. But we're billing it for her because she did a change. And because Jeremiah, Joshua, and Jacob deserves an opportunity. And there are Jeremiah's and Jacob's and Joshua all over our community that deserve an opportunity to have a better life. But they cannot have that better life unless we're willing to change. Because she can't a decent job. She's a convicted felony, convicted of aggravated assault and armed robbery that she's going to have to carry with her the rest of her life, but we will not give her an opportunity to be a citizen again, to, to be employed again. She's just got to work minimum wage jobs, Burger King, McDonald's, whatever it takes to put food on the table, to keep a roof over our grandchildren's head. And that society where we become, that we judge you by your past. If Jesus judged Saul by his past, we would not be reading the stories of Paul. We wouldn't have had that missionary journey. Paul wouldn't have spread the gospel. And this gospel of Jesus would not be going to every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. Except that a change occurred on that road to Damascus, that Damascus moment. And see, that's what I'm pleading. That's what we need in our city. We need to give people an opportunity, a chance. But in order to give them that chance, we've got to change. We've got to have a Damascus moment. We've got to know that, okay, you did something bad. You did your 11 years straight time. But I'm going to take a chance on you. We've got to have some of that uh, ananias faith that says, God, I'm really not so sure about this guy that you want me to go and heal. But because I believe in you, because I trust in you, I'm going to walk in faith. And I'm going to give Saul a chance because you told me to. See, it wasn't just a Damascus moment for Saul. It was a Damascus moment, but Ananias because somebody's coming to persecute me to kill me. He was there to in a Stephen, you know, and I'm supposed to trust him and believe in him. I could end up dead, but I trust you more, Lord, that you say it's the right thing to do for our people that's coming out of prison, for our people that need health care, for our people that need a right to choose. But, you know, she's not the only one. See, I met with three clients last week. All of them got through. Another client is a man that was a truck driver for 10 years. But the mother of his children married someone else in Arkansas and got into an abusive relationship. And it became an abusive relationship for the young girls. So he had to quit his job as a truck driver making decent money, come off the road to try to take care of his two girls. So you know what that means? He got behind in child support for some other children. He was labeled a deadbeat dad. And all the time these things was taking place, he was living in a car with two girls that he was trying to raise to keep them from being in a, a domestic and abusive relationship with their mother and their stepfather. And he ends up at the Providence House. And he ends up at the Fuller Center getting on the list to have houses built. We all gotta go through some change. We all have got to open up our eyes and and, and not be blind to what's going on around us. We've got to open our eyes and, and be able to see the need that's in our community. And then we've got to be able to love so hard and so much that we look beyond what they've done in the past to love them unconditionally where they are today. So the question for us is: do we do we challenge powers, ideologies, ideas, our government? Do we challenge those things? to help us make a change for the better in our city. You know, my wife asked me a couple weeks ago, she said, all this killing going on, all this gunfire, what can we do about it? And I said, sweetie, all we can do is pray. Because until we change, until we have a Damascus moment and have that moment become contagious, infect other people, and they have a Damascus moment, nothing is going to change. It is going to stay the same. But just like Saul had to have a Damascus moment, and Anais had to have a Damascus moment, Anna got to have a Damascus moment, Bob got to have a a Damascus moment, Carol got to have a Damascus moment. As a community, we've all got to have a Damascus moment to transform and change the city, the community in which we live, and folks will not be dying on record pace across this city. So are you willing to have that Damascus moment? Are you willing to look at someone that's different from yourself, to have a conversation with someone that has a different ideal ideology from you? Are you willing to look at those that were affected by the flags and the monument. Those that was a victim, are you willing to look at that side of the story? Are you willing to open your eyes and have a different view? Are you willing to admit, I might be wrong in my ideology? That had to be difficult for Saul. And then he had to go back to Tars and tell them he was a convert? <laughs> Nothing worth having, is easy. It's all difficult. But if we're who we say we are, if we believe as we say we believe, if we love as we say that we love, then it's something that we must do. We must change. We must have a, a Damascus moment. Because if we don't, I'm afraid I'm afraid for our nation. I'm afraid to, for that road that we're going down. I'm afraid for my children and my grandchildren and, and, and their children of the future. I'm afraid for this world that we live in. And this is the only world that we know. So I ask you that when you look at people that are different, that have a different ideology, be open, be loving, be kind, because that's what we need to move us beyond this moment into an ever-changing moment, a Damascus moment. I thank you for the opportunity. Let us pray. Father God, we, we all need change in our lives in our city, our community, even our churches. But it's not a change that we can make alone. We cannot make that change unless you make that change in us. And sometimes, Lord, we know that means you've got to knock us down. You've got to get us off our high horse. You've got to bring us to a position of weakness where we have to depend on others to make our way. You have to humble us. And and Father God, we're asking for that humility, that humbleness so that we can begin to change because if we can change, then we can change those around us. And we can change this city and this state and this nation. So we're praying that you will provide us that moment individually and collectively, that Damascus moment where we can be changed. Not for our good and our glory, but for your good and your glory and the greater good of your people. In the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.